Don't you just love those? I, I don't know about the deodorant one, but I am a sucker for life hacks. Um, and I, I love those videos on Facebook as I'm scrolling through Facebook. You may know the ones I'm talking about. You know, the ones that have titles like uh, five ways you didn't know a plastic bag could be used or something like that or, or, or ways to save time while you fill in the blank. Like those things I love. I watch every single one of them if I'm scrolling through Facebook. Matter of fact, I've got a life hack for you today talking about a plastic bag. If you're like me, when you eat ice cream, you love for it to be soft, right? And so when you go to the grocery store, you buy your ice cream, it's soft. But you may know when you put it in the freezer, you get it out a couple days later, it starts to get kind of hard and you got to really work to kind of scoop up some ice cream. Here's the trick, keep it soft. Put it inside a Ziploc bag or a grocery bag, tie it off and put it inside the freezer. Every time you open it up, it'll be soft like you just bought it. So life hack for today. So like I said, I am a sucker for those kinds of things. I love them. But I've recognized something about these things. They're kind of like when I was a kid and I got a gift for or, 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 uh, my Christmas gift. It, I loved my new toy. It was the greatest thing since sliced bread until about three months later. And it just ended up at the bottom of the toy bin with every other toy that I had. See, it only had like this temporal satisfaction to it. The joy only lasted a little while. And that's the way these life hacks are. They're, they're kind of exciting for, for a time and they're cool. For, but there's a time where they'll become mundane and, and routine and, and just a part of our life. And that's why I like this series, because we're looking to God's Word to see real life hacks, ones that are lasting and fulfilling, that are transcendent over time and culture. Because it is true, when we live life according to God's truth, we live it God's way, we experience a better life. And why? Well, because we live the life we were created to live. We live the life we were created to live. Now, last week, We started looking at John's third letter. It's a really short letter, actually the shortest of all in Scripture, Um, and perhaps it's even just like a postcard. Today we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 8, so if you have your Bibles or your phone, you can open up to there, or you can just follow along with me on the screen. 3 John, starting in verse 5, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they're strangers to you. They've told the church about your love. Please, send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that they may work together for the truth. The Apostle John is the one writing this letter, and he writes it to a friend of his by the name of Gaius or Gaius. Now, earlier in the letter, John pointed out that Gaius has done well in continuing to walk in the truth. That's what we looked at last week. But then he goes on in these verses that we just read to continue to compliment Gaius or Gaius and his actions. And he acknowledges that Gaius has done well in welcoming visitors and giving them a place to stay. Now, like I said, this letter is really short, and so that means we're not given a lot of details to know exactly what's going on, but let me set up for you a likely scenario. Now, the time, the setting here is the ancient Roman world, and you may remember from your World Civ class back in high school that the Romans were crucial in developing advancements and advance a road system, and with that came advancements in trade and commerce, and so it wasn't uncommon for citizens to travel from city to city, town to town on business-related journeys using these great roads. 
And perhaps this was part of the genius of God carrying out his plan. God's timing is always perfect. Because of these development and roads came the ability of the gospel, uh, the message about Jesus to spread all over the known world more effectively and efficiently. Now, without having modern technology or a systemized mail system to let you know that someone was headed your way, people often traveled with letters of recommendation, so to speak. And so when someone came knocking on your door, looking for a place to stay, and they were a complete stranger to you, they could hand you this letter written by someone who you did know, a letter of introduction from a mutual acquaintance. And this letter could kind of put your mind to ease knowing that this person can be trusted because they come with the approval of a friend of yours. Now that's likely what John is doing with this letter. He's sending it with some missionaries who happen to be passing through the town where Gaius lived. And John writes, it was for the sake of the name that they went out. Now we don't know who the they are exactly, but we do know they're Christians because he says, for the sake of the name they went out. Now, the name was code here to refer to Jesus. You'll notice nowhere in the letter does it say Jesus' name. Now, during this time, the church was facing great persecution. And so, it probably wasn't very advantageous for someone to be carrying a letter that had Jesus' name on it, right? They they would be considered a a rebel if they were caught with that. And, And so, they used this code language of the name. Now, notice John's tactic. First, he points out the faithfulness of Gaius. You are faithful in what you're doing. And he's doing this not just because he's been doing good for those he knows, for his friends, but even for complete strangers. And Gaius' hospitality and willingness to host fellow Christians has become a testimony to the kind of person he is all throughout the church. And so it's likely that this letter that we're reading today, in our text this morning specifically, John, what he's doing is he's saying, Gaius, you've been a great host. They've told the church about your love. And then asking him, will you show hospitality to these individuals? Now, I want to spend some time looking at verse 6, specifically that phrase that says, send them on their way. Now, this phrase can be a bit misleading because if we just read it at face value or look at it literally, it means send them on their way. Don't hold them up. Keep them going. Don't stop them from spreading the gospel. And that is a part of what that means, but this phrase in the original language of this letter, in the Greek language, was actually just one word. One word, and, that's in this, and that one word means this, help on one's journey with food, money, or by arranging for companions, or to help with the various means of travel. And so you see that idea of send them on their way, kind of expanding that understanding. So it seems that John is asking Gaius to once again show hospitality. He says, please send them on their way, much like we would politely request something today. John's asking Gaius to please show hospitality to help those whom he's sending this letter with, with their lodging, with their food, with their finances, whatever they need, and then give them enough for their next leg of their trip. He He wants him to show hospitality, but notice what kind of hospitality, the kind that honors God. That means not cheaping out. Showing hospitality that honors God means that you treat them like you were treating Christ if he were standing on your doorstep. And this exhortation, and that word exhortation means challenge or call, so this exhortation to Gaius is then turned into an exhortation for the entire church. John points out an obligation that we all as Christians have, and that is to show hospitality to those who labor for God and for his kingdom, who do the work of the Lord. Now, before I go any further, I I need to acknowledge and commend some families and individuals here 
who've shown me hospitality. I've been here at Plum Creek now for four years, but when I first came, I was new. I was a stranger, and several people here, families, individuals, had me over for lunch or dinner one evening. But I think about one individual, Zella Ray. She's a member here at Plum Creek. She hosted me in her home where I could live for six months as I completed my internship here and to receive credit for my schooling and my degree. Also think about the Harold family. You, you may know them. They're former members of Plum Creek. They are now attending a church closer to their home. But on two separate occasions, one for an entire summer and then for an entire year, allowed me to live with them. They, they didn't know me that well. I was kind of a stranger to them. But they've invited me in, made me like a child, a dinner with them every night, went out when they went out. See, that's the kind of hospitality that John was talking to Gaius about. But I also, in writing this message, thought about individuals and families who've hosted some of our missionaries when they've come into town for a week or weekend so that they could report to our church here about the work they're doing on the other side of the world. Or I think about our life groups. Each of them have a host, someone who either opens up their home or oversees the hospitality of their group week after week to make sure that our life groups are comfortable places to live in community. There's people here already practicing this idea of hospitality. And this idea of showing hospitality, it's all over the Scriptures Look at these few verses. Peter tells the church, 1 Peter 4 and 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Paul says in Hebrews 13 and 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. And then Paul in Romans 12 and 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. But the scriptures have more to say about hospitality. They teach us that hospitality should extend beyond just being hospitable to other Christians. Look at these words of Jesus in Luke in chapter 14. You have your Bibles, you can turn there. Now, Jesus had been invited by someone over to their house for a meal, and he uses it as an opportunity to teach. Luke 14, starting in verse 12. Then Jesus said to the host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, because if you do, they'll invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet... When you have a luncheon or a dinner, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He said we should show kindness even to the people who cannot repay us in this life. But there's one more passage I want to look at this morning that I think is key to helping us understand what biblical hospitality is, or at least the kind of hospitality that John was talking to Gaius about, the kind that honors God, the kind of hospitality we should all show. Now, let me set this passage up for you a bit. It's in Matthew 25, if you want to begin to turn there. Jesus was describing to his disciples the end of time, and he sets up this scene as if it were a courtroom, and the king or the judge is sitting in the middle with a group of people on his left and another group of people on his right, and he has something to say to both groups of people. But we're going to look at what he says to the people on the right. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous, or those on his right, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and come and visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, surely you've done it for me. See, Jesus was telling his disciples, when you act in kindness and love toward other people, you're serving me. It's as if I were there and not that person. And this is key to us understanding hospitality that honors God. And, and so I want you to keep this idea in the back of your mind that when we treat others with kindness, it's like we're doing it for Christ himself. And so here's what I see the scriptures teaching us this morning, the call to action, the exhortation, so to speak. And it's this, that we should show hospitality to others in a way that honors God. It is our life hack for this morning, a skill that will result in a life that's more effective and efficient in God's kingdom. And so I've summed it up for you this way this morning. Life is better when we show hospitality to others. Life is better when we show hospitality to others. Now, at first glance, this doesn't seem like a life hack, does it? And if you've ever hosted a family dinner or had guests over for a meal or even hosted someone in your home for any period of time, you you understand this. You, You know that hospitality is not something that makes your life easier, especially if the guests happen to be the in laws. Uh, Cass said that it was good that uh, her parents weren't here this morning. (laughs) Now, I have great in-laws. Showing hospitality and extending kindness in this way actually requires that we give up of our time, our money. It means that we inconvenience ourselves. But that's biblical hospitality. It's totally against and in contrast to our culture. We're swimming upstream if we choose to live life this way. But we're not here to look to ourselves and what makes us happy. We're here to look outside of ourselves and into God's word to see what is truly better. Because we know in there lies truths that are transcendent, that have fulfillment and satisfaction both for this life and the life to come. I want to share with you a writer writing on hospitality today in the early church, a quote of hers. She says this, The word hospitality has lost its moral punch over the recent centuries. It's been reduced to connotating refreshments at meetings or magazine covers of gracious living. See, the moral landscape in which it resides has all but faded into the background. Yet it is this moral and spiritual landscape that the early Christian voices can help us begin to recover. I think she's right. We don't show the kind of hospitality that the early church did. Our society has made hospitality into laying out some light refreshments for a meeting or having some great magazines in a waiting room. When the early church showed hospitality, it was so much more. They gave up their safety. They invited complete strangers into their home. They gave money and food to people they didn't even know. And why? Why would anyone do this? Well, because these people had Jesus in common. They were giving of themselves and their resources to share with people who were living for God. And so today, when I talk about hospitality, I want us to think of it in the context of the early church. I want you to think of it as part of how you practice and live out the gospel. Think of it as opening your home, but also think of it as changing your attitude, your your perspective, and having a view and perspective of receiving and welcoming people regardless of their race or ethnicity, their social position or economic standing. Think of you and your things not as belonging to you, but belonging to God. 
Think of it as if you were doing it for Christ himself. I want to look at another quote from uh, this time, a lady by the name of Karen Job. She's a Christian writer as well, and I think she gives us a good starting place for what we can do to show hospitality that honors God. Listen to this. Hospitality begins with an attitude of openness and generosity that allows us to appropriately share ourselves and our resources with whomever God brings into our day. Rather than being the person who habitually isolates himself or herself inside their home, would it not be a better witness for the gospel to be the person who welcomes the new family to their neighborhood with a friendly introduction and a basket of muffins? We cannot love others as Jesus commanded without being open to them. This is where hospitality has to start, an attitude of openness and generosity that allows us to appropriately share ourselves and our resources with whomever God would bring into our path. It's a change in our heart, a change in our attitude, a change in how we look at our time and our resources. And this is where we're leaning on God and and His Spirit. And, And if you've surrendered your life to Christ, that means the Spirit of God is living inside of you and He's working things out according to God's will. But listen, we got to surrender to His will. And this morning, His Word, His Word, His will is teaching us to be hospitable. And that means that we don't get to cheap out. It's hospitality that honors God. It's a kind of hospitality where we have to take risks. Risks that include meeting people where they're at, running to the messiness of someone else's life, getting your hands dirty, being more generous than you've ever been before, connecting and spending time with people who are different than you are, and doing it in such a way as if you were doing it for Christ himself. Hospitality means, biblical hospitality means, making yourself available to others so you can share yourself and your resources with them in order to show them the love of God. When we begin to think about hospitality in this way, it becomes more than just making the neighbor's dinner, although that is a great act of hospitality, or having cold drinks for a friendly get-together. Hospitality, the the umbrella kind of widens here. It's making yourself available so you can share God's love with others through your time and resources. And so that may mean having a great attitude and and tipping your waitress really well next time you go out to eat instead of cutting the tip in half because she brought you out of Diet Coke and you you wanted a regular. Maybe it means going out of your way and doing something for your coworker that you don't normally have to do. Or maybe it means talking to a stranger on the street. Maybe maybe you don't give that person money, but you acknowledge that, that they're a person made in the image of God, that they're a human being. It's noticing the, the clerk, the, the lady behind the counter, noticing the person in front of you at Starbucks, whatever it is, it's, it's making yourself available, noticing people's needs. It it's, means getting to know your neighbors instead of quickly driving into your garage and shutting the door behind you. It's sitting on the front porch instead of the back porch. It can mean pushing a cart and getting to know the name of one of our guests at our sharing center as you help them load groceries into their car. Maybe it means that a way that you could do it here even at church is holding a, a, a baby a, a, so you can show them God's love while their parents connect to God in our worship service. Or through our first impressions team, greeting people or, or noticing that people are new and helping them navigate around church, say, here's the restrooms, if you've got kids, here's where they go. See, it's making people feel at home. Another way you could do it is by supporting our our family promise ministry, our homeless ministry, getting up early, driving a van to Newport, staying overnight uh, while our guests are here. All kinds of ways, but you'll notice that it becomes more than just opening your home. It's these good Samaritan acts. And if we're going to be people of hospitality and the kind of hospitality that honors God, here's what's going to have to happen. I've got three things for you this morning. Number one, you have to make yourself 
available. That means if you are constantly rushing, you never have time for anyone. You'll never be able to slow down enough to notice the needs of those around you, let alone be able to do something about them. So free up your time. Make yourself available. Don't pack your schedule and your calendar so tight that you don't have time for people. And that may mean saying no to some things that are really good in order to say yes to great things. So number one, you have to make yourself available. Number two, the second thing we have to do is you have to share yourself and your resources. This means we've got to be generous, be willing to give and get nothing in return. It means we have to think outside of ourselves. It means that we, we may need to financially prepare, put it in a part of our budget, choose to not spend on one thing so we can give somewhere else. It means that we're going to have to be willing to be open and willing to connect with other people means that we'll have to stop thinking of our stuff as our stuff and start thinking of it as God's. Now, this is where that idea of doing things as if you were doing it for Christ comes into play. Because sometimes when we share, we can kind of be stingy with it or or, or hold back a little bit. We need to share with others as if we were sharing it with Christ himself, giving to others as if we were giving it to Jesus, welcoming people into our homes as if we were welcoming Jesus, treating our neighbors as if Jesus just moved in next door. And here's the last thing we're going to have to, it's not really something to do, it's more something to keep in mind, and it's this. The goal must be to point people to Christ. We can share, we can be hospitable all day long, but if we don't do it for Christ, we've done a good deed and and nothing more. Recognize we're not just another humanitarian people, we're not just another social justice people, we're Christians living for Christ, trying to point people closer to Him. It's okay to open your home, have people over, but use it as an opportunity to build relationships so you can point them closer to Christ. It's good to be a great neighbor, but use it as an opportunity to build relationships, point people closer to Christ. See, our whole goal is to model Christ, to devote ourselves to Him and His kingdom. So whatever hospitality we choose to do, it must be to point people closer into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. You'll notice this requires you've got to make yourself available and you're going to have to give of yourself and your resources. And and here's the motivation. Here's the underlying factor of why we can do this, why we're able to do this, why, why we can show hospitality. It's simply this, because God has been a gracious host to us. And if you're a Christian, you know this to be true. God is a God of hospitality. He's one who makes himself available and open to share himself and his love with us. He uses his abundant and matchless resources and character. And he does it day after day. I love this. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord, he never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. As sure as the sun is to rise, you're going to get out of bed. Guess what? The mercies or the graces or the gifts of God are right there. They're present. And I love how it ends. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, God gives us life, breath. He provides us with creation. He takes care of our very basic needs, whether they be physical, emotional, mental, whatever it may be. But listen to this. God showed hospitality to our very basic spiritual need. God has shown us the most gracious act of hospitality in the cross. Because of our sins, we are strangers and foreigners, sinners far from God, and that is what we are apart from the cross. Strangers, foreigners. But God reached out and made redemption possible 
he made himself available by making a plan for redemption. He gave himself and his resources. The word says he gave his one and only son. He moved all heaven to restore, rectify, and redeem all humanity back to himself. And his word says this, 1 John 3 and 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Because of the cross, we've become children of God, heirs of the promise and co-heirs with Christ. It's who we are or who you can be in Christ. From strangers to children, from outside the home to warmly welcomed in. That is hospitality. God making us his children, inviting us in. See, God showed hospitality when he took care of our problem of sin and guilt on the cross and offered salvation so we can no longer be strangers and could be called children. Taking care of our problem of guilt and sin on the cross. Laying our sin there and putting the punishment and the penalty on Christ. Setting us free. And he's welcomed us in. He is a God of hospitality. And if I can brag on my Lord for just a moment, let me do it. He took my sin on himself. He left his throne in glory for me. He's given me a home He's given me an assembly of people, we call it the church, where I can live and be encouraged, live in community. He's been a gracious host because he's given me his word. And his word says that when I seek him, he will be found. He's given me his spirit to come and live inside of me. And it's not a spirit of timidity. It's one of power and of self-discipline in church. He's been a gracious host because he's promised me, he's laid up, he has in store for me an eternal home. One where there's no more pain or suffering. And he promises all of these things to anyone who would call on his name. And if you haven't done that, today is the day of salvation. That's what the word says. Today's the day of salvation. If you have not responded to the God of hospitality, today's the day. He's invited you in to outside the home to inside the home, stranger to child. All you got to do is believe in and on Jesus. Confess him with your mouth that he's Lord. Repent or turn away from your sin. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It means you're going to stop doing things the way you want to do it and start doing it God's way. And then we're going to be immersed in water in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, church, he's been a gracious host and he is inviting all, any who would call on his name to no longer be a stranger, but to be a child. Let's pray. God, you are a God of hospitality. You have shown yourself to us. You've revealed yourself to us. You've proven yourself over and over. You're a gracious host. Indeed, your mercies, your graces, your gifts are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. And I pray that today, if there be any who do not know you, that they might respond to your gospel call, that sweet invitation. But I pray that no matter where we are in our relationship with you, we can see that you've been a gracious God, and as a result, we would show hospitality and be gracious to others, to make ourselves available, to give freely of our time and our resources, and to point people closer to you, to your son, Jesus. We thank you so much for our Lord, for the cross where our penalty of sin was paid, for the death and resurrection, 
the proof that indeed He is Lord and He has power over sin and death. And it's His name that we pray and praise. Amen.